0: Hi, I'm Rob Manstone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rider Rumblings podcast. There is a ton to digest, and I am very honored to be able to uh, spend this time with uh, legendary Rough Rider receiver number 18, Jeff Fairholm, the Rough Rider from 1998 to 1993, and a proud member of the team's alumni. Gre- uh, Jeff, thank you so much for, uh, for being with us today.
1: My pleasure, Rob. There's always lots to talk about in Ryderville, isn't there?
0: Especially this. I don't even know where to start, honestly. (laughs) It just just keeps coming and coming and coming. Um, I'm just interested in your take in general on the team. As Someone I know follows the team as closely as you do. uh, They're coming off a bye week. They've just lost to Edmonton. Well, not just lost. July, uh, September 16th. They're playing in Winnipeg on Friday. What do you make of this team as it presently stands?
1: I don't even know where to start, Rob. I mean, it's, you know, (laughs) my dilemma too. Yeah, we came in, we came into this season with such high hopes. Um, The team looked like it was rounding into shape really, really well. I even congratulated uh, both Craigs, Craig uh, Dickinson and Craig Reynolds on putting together a a wonderful team. And boy, it fell apart quick. I mean, it, you know, we, we start off four and one, um, but really we didn't play anybody. And then, you know, it was, I was kind of waiting to see. You know who we were going to play, and and what how we were going to react to all of these different things. And boy, stuff just kept happening and happening and happening, and and it piled on again this week. And now, I mean, we're not assured a playoff spot. And you know, Montreal did us did us a favor uh, by beating Hamilton. But you know, uh, getting being this late in late September and hoping that hoping that Winnipeg or that Montreal beats Hamilton is not I not I think how we wanted the <laughs> yeah. season to be going. And you know, I think it's somewhat of an easy fix, but it ain't going to happen this year. So, you know, I've heard some quotes um, by Fajardo in, in 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 the media saying that you know it, when they make the playoffs, teams are going to be scared to play them. Well, I don't know about that. I think anybody would be happy to play the Riders right now. So it's been a it's been an interesting year for sure. What a lot do of drama. You,
0: what do you see as the not imminent fix, but the fix to which you allude? What needs to be done most most uh importantly
1: yeah well i say it's easy but it's not i mean it, it's it's one thing to me it's the offensive line yeah and you know it's it's so porous and when i do my pre-game um like seven minute deal pregame on the radio it seemed i sound like a broken record because that seems to be all we talk about you know it was yeah. the it was yeah. the penalties so that's cleared up but it's still no we got to give quarterbacks time to throw and they just don't he just doesn't have time to throw i mean even uh, with his with his knee getting better and he's back to himself more uh, running around and, and feeling better he just doesn't have time and you know he's he's gun shy back there how do you not be um you know I've said I've said it before and you and I I guess differ on this a little bit but I have said it before I, I question his deep throw arm strength but his his medium and short game is is fantastic and the guy is tough as nails but when you're on your back as much as he is I mean it's you know it's tough to throw from that position so
0: yeah it just uh it seems to me I mean, Craig Dickinson said a few times that part of the responsibility for the frequency, of the, for frequency of, of the sacks is that of the quarterback for occasionally bailing out of the pocket too early, but I, I tend to defer to what you said there. It's just human nature. How do you play with any confidence behind that offense, offensive line? Isn't there the irresistible urge to flee that is reinforced several times over by the uh, lack of pass protection? That just Yeah, seems it's, to a, be a it's
1: that fight or flight thing in the back of your brain or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that old brain. Well, he needs to, he needs to, he needs
1: to fly. He needs to get the heck out of there. And I, I agree with you. I mean, he's shell shot. and how do you not be? There's no trust. I mean, you need to have trust and you need to have leadership. And to me, that is what's really missing on this team. There's been so much drama this year. Um, I, I'm not in the locker room. I haven't even spoken to a player, but my sense is that the locker room is fractured. That's my friend. That's my sense with the whole Marino thing and, you know, everything that's gone on. I'm not blaming it all on the Marino thing, but that certainly started it. Um, I, I, I get a sense that the locker room is fractured and <clears throat> the leadership, every team I've been on, the leadership has always come from the offensive line. And the offensive line playing as poor as they are and the offense then... Be, playing as poor as they are the defense gets up tight and they start pressing and now they're starting to be scored on more and more i mean it's just you know this 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 snowball is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's and it's heading for a non-playoff game (laughs) If if that makes sense
0: well that's the thing i mean a month or two ago we could look at the schedule and say that the the important games down the stretch are two against calgary and one against winnipeg if you're looking at the final four games it seemed to me like the free space or maybe the week off would be the game in Hamilton, but to me that is now the pivotal one. Who yeah, would have absolutely. imagined it?
1: I mean who's you know, who, yeah, who would imagine that? And you know, I can see them going it's it's not it's not it's not a far stretch. I mean, I can see them going 0 and four or I can see them going one and three. I don't see them going two and two. Uh, They're playing three good teams and one that's, well, who I thought was on the up, uh, on the uptick uh, until they lost to Montreal, but they're getting better. So, you know, nothing is for sure in this league. We know that when you're playing 18 games, um, you know, you're going to have down games here and there, but uh, yeah, I just don't feel good about this team right now. and, And I don't think anybody can. And there's just, like I said, there's just too much drama. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're whining about the, the booing, they're whining about this or whining about that. I mean, there's some, a lot of good going on in Saskatchewan right now. I mean, I see, I see things from Sankey doing wonderful things in the community. I see, you know, different, all different kinds of different players doing things in the community, but unfortunately we don't talk about that. We talk about the bad things. So it's, 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 it's sad.
0: Yeah. It's the old, I've used this many times. Uh, nobody talks about the planes that land and that just seems to be applicable here. I'm not sure that, uh, that there enough planes have landed this year uh i mean it's just if it was just an isolated incident or two you'd say okay well that's going to happen over the course of a long season but when it when they can't even get through a bye week without something happening you just shake your head yeah. i am shaking my head <clears throat> you know and i just i just read on the news this morning
1: that you know there was another incident with uh, with impaired driving and it's just, you don't need this stuff. You, you know, they needed, they needed to get away from football and try to put this team back together for a home stretch. And, you know, here we are talking about bad stuff again. It's too bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first person to address the media after a bye week is a third-string quarterback talking about, uh, you know, an, uh, an impaired driving charge. I mean, yeah. that's, just, that's just how backwards this season is. And maybe you should just expect the, the unexpected, the way this, so oh, here's Candy, she, just, well, there she, she just got in from her walk. Maybe she just, it's its almost like you can set your watch by it, the way this team is going. And you know, I, I go back to the 89 team and, and I was trying to rack my three brain cells and, and see if there's any parallels. And there's a few in terms of the record. I mean, the 89 team that you were on started off four and one and then hit a bit of a skid uh, at some, at one point, descending to six and seven, not too dissimilar from the six and eight. Record. There was a yeah. bottoming out in late September with the uh, with with the game against BC here when when Glenn Suter hit David Williams late pass interference etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that team spun out of it, finished nine and nine and got hot in the playoffs. But I looked at that team and I thought that, and I I even recall thinking at the time that that team had the type of potential to get hot at the right time because of the talent that it had. And, and you look at that offensive line that you had. I just don't see that there's the same upside or the same untapped potential in this team as there was in, in 89, keeping in mind that hindsight is infallible.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I was thinking about that too. I was, I was looking back to that year and, and, you know, we had a lot of drama in that year as well, but, you know, but, and everything you know nothing's nothing's true before the butt, right but <laughs> we had an offensive line and that's where our leadership was we had we had some great leaders on defense don't get me wrong but that locker room that we had um the offensive line took took care of it there was a there was a situation in the locker room uh, i remember i think it was 89 something happened in the locker room and you know a helmet was thrown or something like that and poley stood up and squashed it. I mean, it just didn't happen. You know, it just wasn't going to, it wasn't going to break this team. And, you know, maybe the team needs to, needs to find a reincarnation of Gary Greger. (laughs) God, I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) You you probably remember that. (laughs) Where's the (laughs) taste? Exactly. But, you know, we, we, we didn't believe, I mean, you know, it was one of those things that, that galvanized us. And, you know, dare I say it actually galvanized us to a point where we were actually uh, against that one person in some cases, but you know, we had an offensive line that could protect. We had an offensive line that led the team. And of course we had, we had an amazing defense and everybody got hot at the right time. Um, we had a chance and, you know, we went, we went in and, and, and played really well in the playoffs, but you, like you said, hindsight is is infallible, but I have I have a hard time even even dreaming that that this team, the way it's built right now, can get through get in get through a playoff
0: game at this point. I mean, there's I want you know they're talking about how there's some optimism to be to be uh, extracted from the fact that Dan Clark is likely to return this week. Logan Furlan's mm-hmm. a good be- bet to return. Uh, Taryn Vaughn, you know, Cooper Richardson's played pretty well at right tackle in the two games he has played there. Do you see that there is enough time that remains for that offensive line to become at least serviceable enough that something is salvageable here?
1: I hope so. Um, I haven't seen any sign of it yet. So it's hard to say yes, because we've gone through this many games with a quarterback running for his life. So I hope that it is. I hope it's not a strategy. Um, but I haven't seen any evidence that would suggest that that they will. So I'd have to say no uh, until they until they show me that that they can protect and and lead this team. I mean, you know, there's no evidence right now.
0: You know, we we t- we talked a bit about Cody earlier and that's always a popular topic in this province and um yeah and, and there's a bit of a divergence in our opinions regarding that you actually played the game so i think yours carries more weight even though i even though i happen to carry more weight physically at the at the present time with that. um but <laughs> but he's um it strikes me that at, at the very least after that benching against bc he's yep. rebounded pretty well uh considering mm-hmm. the 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 impediments or the, the obstacles that he faces in terms of that offensive line in front of him. Uh, I think he's, he's played some of his, some, some decent football over these last four games and has resumed throwing the ball with some authority on, on those type of routes that you cited earlier.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and he has played well and he's, he's the Cody of old and, you know, he's, his knees gotten better um, I think the benching was was a good thing for him. Uh, it also gave the fans a sense of what Mason Fine might be like. <laughs> and it, it's all we it, Cody Fajardo is all we got. All we got right now. So and you know we yeah. he's a great leader. He seems like a great person. Everything I see about him and read about him, he's a great person. Um, man, he's tough as nails. But I don't care how tough you are. Again, it sounds like a broken record, but behind an offensive line like that, you can't show what you're like. And, you know, maybe he can get the ball deep downfield. Um, I Again, I haven't seen the evidence, but he also hasn't had much time. So, you know, they've got an offense, you know, Jason Moss gets gets uh, criticized for the play calling and, and you and I both, you know, on Twitter <laughs> get a little frustrated. Then yeah, the second we have and our call fun <laughs> and the second and 10 call that gets, you know, thrown two yards, but, but that's the offense that we have. And, and I'm of the opinion, again, no real sense of, of, I haven't been in the locker room or anything, but my sense is that that Moss is calling plays to Fajardo's strengths and what is going to, make this offense work are the so-called yak yards, the yards after catch. And they expect these receivers to catch that one, two, minus one, two yard passes and, you know, make the yards after the catch. And well, you know, we've seen defenses come in now, you know, like Jones where they, where they rush three and get pressure rush three guys and drop nine and all they're doing is dropping to the dropping to the yard markers and coming up and making tackles that's that's the way you defend this team right now and you know i still i'm still of the opinion you've got to loosen up that defense by getting the ball downfield and that's not happening right now or it hasn't happened all year really, yeah than I, a couple I, of long ones.
0: <laughs> yeah no it, it's it's uh, that's been those have been the exceptions for sure and 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 I look at the game against Edmonton and, and you cited the Jones strategy. And I just wonder if that's, that really nailed down a template that other teams are going to use against the Rough Riders. Not that they hadn't been using them previously, but I just think that one, I mean, they, they rushed three men, 72% of the time. And yeah. when they rushed four men, which was only 10 times, only, only 10 times all game did they rush four men. There were only three times all game that they, did they sent anybody more than four, but over the ten times that they sent the conventional four, they got four sacks. Forty percent of the time that they sent four four rushers, they sacked the quarterback. And and yeah. and three times when they sent three, they got a sack. The eighth the eighth sack, I wouldn't necessarily it's it's a sack, by in terms of the stats, but it was a run pass option that failed. It was a running play that lost yardage. But um, I just look at it, and 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 the Rough Riders also play into the opposition's hands in this case by trying to bolster that offensive line by leaving extra people in for protection. So it's not like you've got, uh, you've got uh, say six receivers against nine defenders. Sometimes there's fewer because they're leaving in a a fullback. They're leaving in a receiver to do blocking. So virtually everybody is double or most of your receivers are double teamed. So what are you going to do aerially?
1: Yeah. Offenses don't work when you, when you got, you know, five, you got six, seven guys in to block and, and, You're only rushing three and getting pressure. So, you know, offenses can't work. I mean, the math just doesn't work that way. Um, A couple of deep balls that happened, I think it was against BC, where, you know, they actually blitzed and we, you know, Fajardo did a great job against the blitz and got the ball down, you know, on that zero coverage to Schaefer Baker, I think it was, um, who went down the middle and you know, nobody's blitzing anymore because that's, you know, the only chance that, that Pajardo has to get the, the ball downfield is to is to drop back and launch the ball as fast as he can and have trust that the receiver is going to run underneath it like I used to do. Um, but we had an offensive line that gave our quarterback that, you know, even just that millisecond more to get the ball out of his hands. So, you know, I think the defense is tired. I think the offense is tired. Um, I, there's a lot going on in, in Ryderville right now, and it ain't good.
0: Jeff, to me, this the entire season seems tired. Uh, it's yeah, just... I'm tired. <laughs> I'm not even running. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like all I, I mean, do is talk
1: about the offensive line. I wish there were some good stuff to talk about, but it's just, God, it's just,
0: it's so hard. Now I've, I've run out of words to describe it. You use porous, and I've used it several times. I've used leaky. I've used permeable. Uh, I need to find a thesaurus to find alternate yeah. descriptions of that offensive line because it just... It just, it doesn't stop. But that to me, they knew it was a weakness coming into, into the season or coming out of last season. And and they allowed 40 sacks in 14 games last year. And that was deemed uh, unsatisfactory this year. They've allowed 59 sacks in 14 games. It's what was a liability is, is worse. Like that's the real issue. And, I mean, they signed Natai Rogers. He played sparingly with Ottawa the previous year, ended up cutting him for half a season. They signed Jamal Campbell after he was let go by Toronto. He's barely even noticeable. Uh, The the two major off-season moves they did make didn't pan out. And then you just factor in the the injuries and just the the fact that I think fundamentally that most of them just aren't good enough. And my goodness, but shouldn't they have seen this coming after last year? And that's what I don't get. I mean, Oday is Oday is an ex offensive lineman, and
1: they've got scouts, they've got people all over North America looking for players. And you know, how do we not fix this problem? You know, it's been two years now where where we just we can't protect the quarterback. And everybody knows. I'm not saying anything that people don't know. Everybody knows that the you know your only the team is only as good as your offensive line. It starts there always. And to not have an offensive line that can that can protect is is mind-boggling to me and you know O'Day's got to take responsibility for that and he he better fix it because I think his leash is getting shorter and shorter
0: yeah and I just wonder how short a lot of the leashes are going to be around here um I mean I I Jeremy O'Day and, and Craig Dickinson both have a year left on their contracts uh you just wonder if, if this season continues to go along at this pace if you know, how many people are going to be served up as, as sacrificial lambs? And I'm never uh, a fan. I'm never or whatever. A fan
1: to, yeah, I'm never a fan to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know. Um, but when it goes to two years like this, you know, something's got to be done. And, you know, like I said, they're going to have to take a hard look. I don't, now is not the time to do that. But I think they need to take a real good hard look once the season is over and, and, and see, understand what the plan is going forward because this plan hasn't worked. And, it has to stop so you know we've got a great defense we talk about the linebackers i mean and you know and the linebackers have been fantastic but you know you know what it's like when you you know as a in a in a team sport you keep doing your job you keep doing your job but sooner or later when other people around you are not doing your their job it gets old and it starts to wear on you and and then all of a sudden your your play starts to suffer unfortunately as well it's just it's just human nature
0: you know, Craig Dickinson talked after the last game about how the Rough Riders are struggling on both lines of scrimmage with the defensive line not applying the kind of pressure that's required and the offensive line being what we've spent much of this podcast so far discussing. But they don't, they're do not they missing Anthony Lanier the second, and that's hurt them. Uh, say what you want about Garrett Marino, uh, but that was a presence in the interior of the defensive line that has yet to be replaced. A.C. Leonard mm-hmm. isn't having the type of year that he had last year, even close to it. Pete Robertson, since returning from injury, hasn't been as impactful. Uh, Charleston Hughes appears to be done. So, again, uh, uh, it's both lines of scrimmage. And, and I mean, it's, it's as cliched as it gets, but football games are won and lost in the trenches. And when it's, I think the so much has been made about the offensive line, I think maybe the, the defensive line has been overlooked. Uh, it's, it really hasn't been much of a factor either. And that's that's scary.
1: Well, the secondary as well. I mean, uh, the secondary isn't as strong as as I thought it would be. I mean, Edom had a oh my god, he had the worst game I've I've seen him play. My goodness, uh, the last game. I mean, he missed he missed tackle after tackle, and he looked lost out there. Um, and that's not like him. I mean, he's he's played pretty decent um all year long, and and yeah, that's secondary. But you know, we've got three great linebackers. Yay! <laughs> Can't make every you know. By the time they're making tackles, the running backs downfield a little bit too. So. I think they're tired. I think they're mentally tired. They're physically tired. We've had a lot of injuries. And, uh, you know, the, the defense has spent a lot of time on the field this year. And, you know, they're they're tired. And, you know, the offense can't sustain drives um, over, you know, a long period of time. But yeah, every once in a while they do. But, you know, they're tired. And I think I said that on multiple games on Twitter where, you know, the defense keeps having to go on, you know, two and out, two and out, two and out. And they're, you know, they're getting tired. And I think it's really wearing on. Them. So I mean, it's, you know, the whole thing is, is, is just going downhill. And now, and now Louther misses, Louther misses field goals. I mean, come on, like how good has he been all year? I mean, you know, his special teams have been good all year. And then, you know, really all we can talk about is Alfred now. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I did a Mike Edim stat and he's, it was so uncharacteristic of him, like you said, but there, I yeah. counted five tackles that were either missed or situations where he was engaged with a ball carrier and just couldn't make the stop. He got outrun, lost the angle or whatever on those five plays after it became Lothar, pardon me, Adam versus ball carrier sort of face to face over those five plays, the ball carrier gained an additional 109 yards. So you're basically talking an entire football field or an entire Jeff Fairholm reception in the 1990 Labor Day classic, 107 yards plus two um, (laughs) of, of yards after catch with one guy either missing or not being able to make a tackle. And, add that, one add quarter, that to, sorry? and then you add that to the hundred yards of penalties,
1: and that's two hundred yards, that's two hundred yards of lost of lost uh of lost field position right there. And, and and that's what it's about.
0: I mean it was one quarter of Edmonton's net offense or total offense was on those, you know, yards after, Edom. And, yeah, uh, yards
1: after Adam, <laughs> And uh Yards after Edom.
0: That's not him. But you know, you talk about the defense being tired and when somebody is is performing as uncharacteristically or atypically as he is. In that situation, when it's just he's as, as a real sure thing most of the time in those situations, I think I think that speaks to what you're what you're saying. It's just a defense that's, that has been on the field too much and and has had to carry too much of the load. And even Craig Dickinson's alluded to it. The defense is looking tired. And mm-hmm. how do you fix that? Is is a bye week enough to recharge? Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's not, and and what they need, they need. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, it, it's going to help for sure. We got some people coming back for for this game coming up, and we need them because Winnipeg. We all know what Winnipeg's like. Um, it's it's not the Banjo Bowl or the you know the, the day after or the week after Labor Day, but you know it's still going to be a, a a high intense game, high intensity game, and it's we need people back and we need people back to play well. So, you know, if we, if Dan Clark actually can come out and play in this game, I mean, that's going to solidify the interior a little bit, but, you know, again, I'm an evidence-based person and I don't see, you know, I don't see the evidence where they can stop, stop those bookends on the outside um, on Winnipeg. So I think it's going to be a rough day again.
0: Yeah. It's been the but tackles I think more I mean, than anything. You can't,
1: fix, you can't fix it, Rob. I mean, it's, it's got to fix in the off season. It's it's too late now. Um, we're going to go as far as we can make the playoffs. That's goal number one. And then win one game. That's, that's the goal at this point. And, and, you know, that, that's all they should be focusing on.
0: Is there anything that can be done to scheme, scheme their way out of this? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that
1: defenses have figured us out. They, they know what we're capable and more importantly, not capable of doing. So right now, no, I think the way to scheme us out of this is get some players in there that can play and you know a lot of those um, technical penalties I think that Dickinson said you know they' they're not getting the the um, the bad penalties they're getting these technical penalties well you, you know when you get technical penalties when you're not good enough and they're not good enough so you're getting holding penalties and those types of things because they're just playing not good enough and um, they need they need to to, to get some better players and, that's not going to happen this year. You know, we added an offensive lineman to the practice roster. Never heard of him, but how, how up to speed is he going to be, you know, in a week or two or three? He's not, they need training camp. So I don't know it's going to be an off season. I hate to say, it, and I hate to be that negative person, but you know, right now I I think the season is, is, is damn near lost.
0: You know, and I, I have the same suspicion. There's a lot of optimistic talk coming out of the Rough riders camp. I mean, what else are they going to say? But uh, I, just, I just look at it on the surface and uh, maybe it's the Vanstone curse. It's, it's the only hope they have left because I'm so notoriously wrong all the time. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's a role coming here that's, that's unforeseen. But um, I just, if they had something to hang their hat on, um, yeah, they've been injured a lot. And again, I'll go back to 89. I mean, you were out, you know, for a significant portion of the, the stretch run. Uh, you know, Ray was hurt. Uh, you know, Dave Albright was, was, was playing, was out and then playing hurt. Uh, Bobby Jurison was playing all year with a knee that required surgery like two days after the Grey Cup. Uh, there were a lot of banged up players on that 89 team to the extent that, that Jeff Bentram was returning kickoffs and playing slot back. <laughs> Rob Bresciani yeah. was called upon to start in <laughs> Calgary one day, etc. You know, Jeff Treflin was playing linebacker at 170 pounds one day. Uh so it, that team, you know, was able to you know make ends meet despite a torrent of injuries. I just don't see that there's that same potential here uh with this team. That's a it's a common denominator between eighty nine and twenty twenty two, but I just don't see it, where there's the upside.
1: You're talking about you know, we're talking about a team, you know. You can't even do the math. It's so long ago, nineteen eighty nine. It's forever ago. But you're talking about a different team. You're talking about a different era. And you know, and you're talking again. You're everybody that you mentioned there. I was hurt. Ray was hurt. Every, you know, all these people came in and stepped up. the One thing you didn't mention was the offensive line. We, you know, our offensive line was always there. They, yeah, they were always ready. Nobody ever got hurt. You know, I think we played with the same five, maybe six guys the entire year and was the the bedrock of our football team. That hasn't changed in 30 some odd years. I mean that is still that is still football and I don't know I hope that never changes. And again, that's what they need. It's it's an easy fix, right? You yeah. know, you, you you ship out four guys, you ship four guys in. Should be an easy fix, but for 2 years it hasn't. And I hate to be the doomsday guy, but I got to be real, right? I got to tell you you want me on this podcast because you want my opinion well, this is my opinion. And until I see evidence that it's going to change, I don't see a nine and nine team and I don't see a nine and nine team winning the Grey cup this year.
0: You know, you went back to the offensive line and how those guys never got hurt. I mean, Roger played more than, you know, pushing 15 years between injuries. Yeah. Mike Anderson didn't miss a game for 10 years, etc. cetera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This year it's just been one after another. And, and, you know, Taryn Vaughn is in, Taryn Vaughn is out. Uh, and even when they've got the people in there that they think should be their starters, they'd like to be their starters. Are they, are they good enough? And uh, again, I, not. I don't know how to not to belabor the offensive line. I'm in the same uh, same predicament as you are. It just it just yeah. keeps coming back to that. No matter how much you try to talk about the circuitous issues,
1: it's not it's not rocket science. I mean, it it really isn't. It's just the way it is. So, yeah, I feel bad, but you know, it is what it is at this point. I hate that term too.
0: Yeah. It's uh, but it's sometimes what what are you going to say? And that's the thing too. We're, we're 14, 14 games into the season. And I just feel I'm in kind of the, I wrote that last week. I wrote that three weeks ago. I wrote that a month ago. It just, at some point I'd like a new angle, but it's impossible not to default back to the same old storylines that seem to recur. I, I was so hoping even from a storytelling standpoint that they would come out, they come come out of the bye week and there'd be something fresh and exciting and new. And (laughs) right out of the, right out of the gate, there's a bad news story. And it's like, you just, you just wonder if this team is just, it's, it's doomed. It just, it seems these, this black cloud seems to hover over it no matter where they go or what they do.
1: Yeah. It just seems to be like that. And it's, it's the weirdest year I've ever seen. And you know, I, I, I'm really following it this year more than I ever have. And, it just I don't know, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm the curse. But it's just uh, it's yeah, it's just a weird year. Everything just seems to be going wrong. They need to, they need some good luck. That's what they really, really need. And you know how you get good luck? You you play into it. And and that's what they have to do. They have to try to put all the distractions away. And it that sounds cliche, but you gotta you gotta shut the doors. You gotta you got to sew up that that team in the locker room and go out and play football and stop worrying about who's booing i mean people are you know that's the other thing i'm concerned about And i'm changing topics on you a bit here but i'm concerned about the attendance you know i mean the the allure of a beautiful stadium i think is 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 wearing off and people are not going to games i mean it looked like a lot of empty seats in the last game and you know, the excuses aren't there anymore. It's not summer anymore. I mean, the haze in the barn, so to speak. And, and, you know, people are not going to games. And you know how to fix that. You win football games. And they need to shut up, stop, you know, feeling, feeling sorted for yourself. And it's, again, it sounds cliche, but they just need to go out and play football. And it's just stop it. Everything. Stop everything. Stop the noise. Stop everything and just go play and see what happens because that's all they've got now.
0: It strikes me, Jeff, as a team that's very fragile—not uh, only yeah. physically with with the mentally. and with the injuries, yeah, but mentally. It just seems it takes yeah. whether it's Duke Williams mouthing off on the sidelines or just the propensity for penalties or some of the things that irritate them. Even Nick Marshall saying things on Instagram, like it just seems yeah. to me like there's just a there's virtually no firewall firewall with this team. If that makes any sense.
1: No, I, I totally agree with you. And thank God that thank God all that social media wasn't there when I played because we, we had a lot to say. I don't know how they do it, but boy, they need to get off of it. They need to have, yeah. they need to put together a team plan and together as a team and say, no, just no more. Stop. Okay. I know the fans want to hear it, but they need, they need to win football games, forget the chatting, forget everything else, get in the locker room and, and go play, shut the doors. That's what they have to do. And like I said, you got what you got right now. It is what it is. Use whatever turn you want, but you got four games left, guys. Let's tighten this thing up. I mean, you know it sounds stupid, and but you got to toughen up. And you, the only way to do that is to hold hands and get out there and, and, and do it together.
0: What do leaders need to do in this situation? And you played for some teams that had such strong leaders. <clears throat> yeah. You were you were among them. What? Well, to- it, it, it's funny. I was, I was actually thinking when
1: you asked that, I don't think I was that much of a leader because I didn't need to be um we had we had guys that just you know if if somebody wanted to change the music in the locker room you had to go ask somebody first I mean (laughs) I remember I remember someone changed the changed the uh changed country music into something else and and Poli went up and changed the changed the channel and stood there and said no this is the way it's going to be I mean (laughs) that kind of stuff you know we had we had all across
0: that offensive line and what do they have to do how do I answer your question? And who are those people? I don't even I don't even know necessarily who those leaders would be on this team.
1: Well it's Fajardo. Fajardo's yeah, gotta be that's the obvious one. one. It's got yeah, it's the obvious one. But it's gotta be your linebacker and crew. I mean those guys have to step up and and you know it's uh, one other one or two of the defensive linemen. Um and, you know, un- but unfortunately, you know, Dan Clark. I mean Dan Clark is is the leader, and you know, maybe with him coming back, if he's back, maybe that'll happen. Um how do you do it? I don't know. I mean, everyone, everyone says, uh, you know, the, the team or the, the player only meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. That helps, but you got to sustain that somehow. Right. Uh, you going into a, going into there and you get all raw raw and you come out, yeah, let's do it. But How do you sustain it? And that's, you know, that's the the longevity of the Dan Clarks of the, of, of that offensive line that has to constantly be on people and, you know, constantly making sure that people are doing what they need to do.
0: What does Craig Dickinson need to do here?
1: I think he's done everything he can do. I don't yeah, think I do he's, I don't, I don't think he's done a bad job. I mean, he's, he's playing with the, 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 the cards he's been dealt. Right. And I think he's doing everything he can to, to you know, every time he plugs a hole and another hole shows up in the boat, but you know, and that's all he's been doing. And I think he's, I think he's coached well. I I don't know what he's done, you know, in the locker room, he's protected his players. Um, they did everything they could with the Marino situation to protect them. And he just kept, you know shooting himself in the foot and they finally had to do what they had to do so i think he's done everything he can i don't know what else he can do i don't think he's the one that's the problem i, I think that you know you, you, <laughs> I, I can't swear on this i guess but my dad used to say you know you can't make chicken salad out of chicken you know what and that's you know my, my wife hates that term because i use it all the time but you, you know that's the thing you just you can't you, you got to go to war
0: with what you got now And and you know unfortunately they don't have the soldiers chicken fingers no (laughs) let's go with that yeah and that's I think Craig Dickinson's been dealt a really bad hand Are are there some things that maybe he could have done better I think he's acknowledged that at times but when you are faced when you have to coach this team with its deficiencies it's it is so much to ask of a coach I just get the feeling at the end of this year it might be Craig Dickinson who's the one that is served up as the okay he's going to pay the price for this team and they'll cite lack of discipline or whatever they have to cite or the four and one start that got away from them. But to me, I just think that it's, it's a problem that lays that is, is much higher. And I I don't advocate the dismissal of anyone. I think people just need to do their jobs better
1: i agree and I'm like i said i'm never one to just start firing people i think you know i hope if they get rid of, of dickinson that'll, i think that'll be a crying shame i think he's done a, a really good job and i think they've got a, a terrific coaching staff that i hope they, they they can keep together you know everyone complains about moss and the play calls and just put that in your head maybe he's calling plays that that are are, are suited to fajardo's strengths instead of you know instead of not so just think about that and i i just put that out there um I think the coaching staff has done a great job. I I have no issues there at all. Um, I think right now it lays on O'Day. And, you know, O'Day's got to get better players so that they're not taking those dumb, you know, uh, technical penalties, I think Dickinson said. So I think that's what needs to happen.
0: The one thing that's irritating me with the play calling lately, and you'd understand this better than I because you've played the game. (laughs) I am so sick of the handoff out of the shotgun formation on third and short or second and short. Um, Why? Why is this done? I don't... Get it?
1: You and me both. I don't understand <laughs> it either. It's, you know, especially when especially when the defensive line is a yard off the ball, you're 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 giving them, you know, you're giving that advantage back. And unfortunately, I don't get it either. I mean, I think I think coaches, um, yeah, I see it all the time. I watch I watch a lot of NFL as you do, and I, I see coaches. They almost outthink themselves. They 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 think that they need to do something. To me, keep doing what keep doing what works until they stop you. That's always been my theory. Um, and I think I heard it on your podcast last week, you know, just keep doing it. If the running game is working, run the ball, keep running the ball. Why all of a sudden, you know, until they stop you and or, you know, why do they always have to you know oh, I got to do something different now because they're going to get on to me. Keep running it, jam it down their throat. I mean, I understand I was a receiver, but you know what, keep working with keep work keep going to what's working and stop trying to to overthink things which I think happens sometimes and that that shotgun thing is, is just one of those things that they do and it's just it
0: boggles my mind sometimes I, I wonder if coaches are like uh, it's like those old de- detective shows when they're trying to out out scheme the criminal and they they, they think that's what they think we're going to do so right. uh, and again I, I mentioned in the podcast last week I saw Ronnie a lot and Ronnie, if he saw a weakness, he would go at it and he would keep going at it until they showed, demonstrated they could stop it. And Absolutely. That, that was, it was as basic as that. It's, it's football's,
1: football's a complicated game, but you, you can break it down to, to its simplicity, right? And, and that's what, you know, if it's going to work, if you want to throw to Elgard every play, throw to Elgar, who's going to work every play. I mean, it's not yeah. rocket science, but, you know, you've got a playbook deep in the season now that's probably you know 300 plays deep and you know they they feel like they have to they have to get to them all um they should know going in what's going to work and what isn't and then you make adjustments as you go um you know i'm not seeing that um uh, you know and for that's that's the one thing that that you know i, I don't like some of the play calling um and and now you got two running backs that are hurt you know yeah. talking about running where yeah, does stop? I, I yeah i know it's, hickson's got a bad hand and i loved him i saw him in, in uh in preseason love the way he run then ran then and i love the way he was running and all you got now you, who's running back i mean who's going to be the running back i mean both morrow and hickson are, are out i don't even know who they're going to play so yeah it just keeps i don't know I'm, I'm, I, I keep going back and forth and i'm just frustrated and i don't have the answers otherwise i'd be i'd be making the big bucks like O'Day.
0: day <laughs> uh, we should all we should all hope for that kind of remuneration <laughs> not knowing what the salary is but suspecting that it's uh exponentially greater than mine
1: <laughs> yeah half, half kidding so i, I don't
0: i am enjoying i'm enjoying sitting in a
1: hotel room right now talking to you rather than having to go out on a practice field so it's uh my life's a lot simpler which is a good thing where are you right now jeff i'm in edmonton uh just i uh, was in meetings yesterday and a couple of meetings today and i'm heading back heading back home here shortly so
0: tell yeah. our fine viewers or listeners what you are up to these days Well, I work for a company called Evans
1: Consoles, and I am the regional sales manager for Western Canada. So we basically design and furnish command and control rooms. So things like uh, air traffic control towers, 911 centers, oil and gas control rooms, things like that. So I'm not not smart enough to do the systems and all the technology. I just do the furniture fixtures and equipment so that uh, the operators, the people that sit in there can be uh, more comfortable in their 12-hour shifts.
0: What's it like to have an actual job? I just do podcasts and... uh... And take down broomball scores for a living
1: yeah you're so good at it too like you came on this podcast no notes you're just ready to go uh <laughs> you know i've been doing it for so long rob and it's um i've been doing it almost 20 years now at the same company wow uh, i love it it's uh I, I grew up with office furniture my father owned office furniture dealerships back east and so i grew up with furniture and, and this is a, a niche that i i got into and i absolutely love it And you know, dare i say i'm pretty good at it and um i have a way of of making sure that the customers on, you know, just the most happiest person in the world and we have great product and great service. So what else can I ask for?
0: That philosophy could be very useful on some CFL teams I could name. <laughs> that's another well, can of worms. <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. I touched on the,
1: I touched on the, uh, the attendance a little bit and, you know, I think they, they need to do some work there, but um, you know, I'm all about the customer and, 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 you know that's what. Uh, that's why I, I think. I guess I'm. I guess I'm pretty successful at what I do. So, um, you know, it's all about the customer. If you take care of them and understand what they want, then it's a pretty easy sale.
0: Well, I'm sorry to take you away from those customers for upwards of 40 minutes when I asked you for a half hour. <laughs> the boss doesn't know I'm taking this time off. Well, I, I, I'll just. Uh, ho- hopefully, nobody's for your for your benefit. I hope nobody's watching this week. I'll make you that shallow promise. So.
1: That's all good. That's all good. I know how many people are on watch or watch or listen to your podcast. So you do a good job, and I, I love listening to your guests, and uh, I learn a lot too. Like I'm constantly learning, and you know, I don't know. I certainly don't have the answers for the Rough Riders, but you know, listening to other people and you know, taking bits and pieces, I, I think I have a a little bit of a better opinion. And it's not all mine. It's bits and pieces of everybody else. So um you know, i'm watching learning and listening and you know hopefully i can do more of these i enjoy it a lot
0: well i i learned from people like tom burgess and, and ken austin who thought you know if if i need something good i'm just going to go to Fairholm repeatedly you're the first repeat guest we've had during the 2022 season so really it, oh that's awesome it, we talked earlier about if if uh, you know, offensive coordinators if something's working keep going to it so i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna Get any fringers here i'm going right to right to jeff Fairholm so well, i'll
1: have to look i'll have to check the mail more often i haven't received my check yet so
0: <laughs> well it, it'll bounce like a like a <laughs> newly manufactured basketball so <laughs> with helium in it so i i don't I always enjoy our talks rob well that's all i can offer you is compensation except thanks and uh and uh maybe a few retweets so that's all, all i need i just have to read the um outro here or i will be severely punished in draconian fashion so here we go here comes my weekly recitation of this if you enjoy the podcast please leave a review and a five-star rating why haven't i memorized this by now it helps us grow the podcast you could subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts if you'd like to send us a question you can email me at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show i promise you can follow me on twitter at rob vanstone uh jeff you can be found at slotback 18 if memory serves me that is correct. On Twitter, that's where I do a lot of my a lot of my rider stuff. So, right, I got to I got to memorize that. It's like the um air tra or the uh, flight attendants when they read the safety demonstration. I'm sure they've done it four million times. They probably don't need to go off a cheat sheet. I feel rather pathetic you know, there.
1: You know what's funny, and I know we I know you got to go, but I, when we came back from Toronto after the Grey Cup and we were on the plane, everyone was happy. The, the the flight attendant we we could call them stewardesses back then, but the flight attendant asked Mark Guy to stand up and actually do the do the demonstration. You <laughs> think? You'd think that being on so many planes and listening to it so much, it would have been easy. Well, he blew it really bad.
0: <laughs> so, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I was on that flight, by the way. Were you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I I went down there strictly as a fan, and uh, it just so happened that our flight back to black back from Toronto, Patrick David and I were on the flight with the Rough Riders. We saw the epic pillow fight. Yep. And, and, pillow uh, fight yep. and yeah, pillow fight. Yeah, and that was fun. That was an amazing uh, bit of fortuitous luck to be on on that well, plane well, that day. The, the the riders are going to have to do some traveling, unfortunately, but hopefully they hopefully they can stay at home
1: and play in the last game of the year. So let's let's have some hope there.
0: Great, no, it's uh, very well said, Jeff. And as always, I'm so honored and flattered that you take the time to be with us here. It's uh, always great to chat.
1: Any time for you, Rob. You know that would be great.
0: For number eighteen, Jeff Fairholm. I'm number number eighteen on the depth chart. Rob Banstone. We'll do this again next week. Take care. Bye bye.